This episode of The Ready State is brought to you by our friends at ChiliTechnologies.com. When we talk to people about sleeping more, one of my favorite things to do when I get into high-performance groups is I look at them, I'm like, okay, everyone, sleep more. Good talk. And usually there's kind of silence and people are like, what the hell? And I'm like, that's all I have to do is sleep more. When we start to get granular about that, we know there's a whole lot of behaviors that we need to improve. And it's complicated. We're human beings. So one of the things that we've started saying to a lot of people is, hey, let's not just sleep more. Let's sleep better. So can you sleep denser? Can you make the sleep that you're getting higher quality? Because God forbid you have a child, a sick child, you're jet lagged, you're stressed. Like there's a lot going on that interrupts our sleep. I mean, the watchman is on. It's pretty amazing right now. There's a lot of reasons why you may not go to bed, the crown. So more importantly, one of the things that we found is that when I started sleeping on the chili pad, it changed the quality of my sleep. My sleep was better. I fell asleep faster and I didn't wake up because I was 300,000 degrees. I measured it. I saw it on my sleep. My sleep density was better. My sleep latency was better. I cannot recommend this technology enough. If you're interested in finding out how Chili uh, Technologies can help you and improve your life, go to chilitechnology.com slash TRS for information and discounts there. I'm telling you, it's not about more, it's about better. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it! You better stop On this episode of the Race Day Podcast, we have the incomparable Matt Hasselbeck. Now, if you've been living in a hole, chances are you haven't heard of the name Matt Hasselbeck. The rest of us, that's an old familiar name when it comes to football. His brother, NFL quarterback, his dad played a little football, and I think he even has a championship ring. But Matt Hasselbeck has played 18 years in this in the season. He uh, played for the Colts, he played for the Titans, he's been to three Pro Bowls. Currently, he's an ESPN analyst on Sunday NFL Countdown, and you might even see him on Thursday night college football games. One of the reasons that he's on today is it turns out, I'm pretty sure, he's the oldest NFL quarterback there ever was. Matt and I got to know each other, I don't know, a handful of years ago through the family, and uh, we got to work together a little bit during those later stages of his career when suddenly it turned out he didn't have a 22-year-old body. We're excited to talk to him on this episode because I think he can really put into context some of the, some of the frustrations and some of the best behaviors and practices where we have to integrate our young savage selves with our more maturing, um, stiff, older leopard selves. Matt is a terrific guy. I'm excited to have this conversation. I know you're going to enjoy it too. Welcome to the Ready State Podcast, Matt. We are so excited to have you. Hi, guys. What's up? Uh, you know, I have to be honest. It feels like sometimes that we have we had to create this entire podcast season just to be able to hang out with you and your family a little more. <laughs> uh, I feel like I only call you in like times of crisis, actually. Like when I've seen every doctor, athletic trainer, um, talk to every expert and they don't have answers, what do I do? Uh, I call my friends in the Presidio out west <laughs> and I say, all right, I need a solution. What do you know? Well, that's very generous of you. And uh, 
We are thrilled to take your perspective today because, you know, one of the things that I, I think we wrap our heads around is, okay, we love professional sports. We are obsessed with human performance as a culture. We've professionalized, we've, we've commodified, we've, you know, we've done all of the things, but it's sometimes a young person's game. And one of the things clearly, I mean, I think you're younger than I am, which makes you obviously very young, but, um, one of the things that I think is really telling is how your relationship changes for preparation and, and self-care and what you think about and, and how you manage all this. And I just, we really are excited to talk to you about just kind of this perspective of still performing at the highest level ever. I mean, I think people pretty much tried to draft you this summer and here we are again, right? So can you talk, just set us up for a little bit about your history in football, just Oh, quick. I mean, we, we talked in our intro about how rad you are, but just give us a quick tour of the places you've been. Cause it's not, it's not nothing. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a football family my dad played in the NFL for nine years and then ironically wouldn't let us play football. So he had no desire to have his kids play football. We all ended up playing football, but it was mandatory that we played a bunch of sports. I played three sports all the way through high school. Uh, very much a believer in multi-sport athletes. I hate specialization because of my experience. Uh, but I, you know, was kind of a late bloomer, made it to the NFL, surprisingly wasn't invited to the NFL combine, uh, ended up playing 18 years in the NFL because Andy Reid was the quarterback's coach with the Green Bay Packers and drafted me and uh, got my start. But one thing I had to do is each and every year, I had to find a way to get a competitive advantage to stay in the league at first to make a team. And then by the end of my career, I was starting at 40 years old. I think I started, I think, eight or nine games as a 40-year-old. I, uh, as one does. I, I had to <laughs> find ways to improve each and every year. It was the advice that I got from one of my coaches. And then we just kind of made it my thing. Every off season, I tried to find something new, some competitive advantage, some way to make myself better, um, find a weakness and turn it into a strength, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's summarized. That's kind of my journey in football. How common is it for people to play in the NFL for 18 years? Well, the average career is somewhere around 2.8 years, so it's not that common. Uh, I was I benefited a little bit that I was a backup most of my life in college, so I didn't get uh, the crap beat out of me in college the way that some guys do. You know, I only really played two years in college, and then I got drafted to the Green Bay Packers in my first three years. Uh, I was on the bench backing up this guy named Brett Favre, so you know, my, my, my health is probably a little bit better, uh, than some just because of that, that experience right there. But in those three years, I was training, I was getting stronger. I was sort of growing into my body. I was watching what people did all around me. The guys that lasted were, were training and working hard a certain way. The guys that weren't lasting were doing other things. And so, you know, those were formative years for me. I also played 18 years in the NFL. And then obviously, uh, five years in college, I was on the team and have only had one surgery in my life. So I'm really fortunate as well. A lot of guys that I've played with that played maybe one or two years have had 10 surgeries in two years. And so to have just one, I feel really fortunate. That doesn't mean that I was told to have one. 
I was told to have surgery many times in my 18 year career, but I looked for other solutions before I went the surgery route. And, um, and, and I'm so glad that I did. And even the surgery that I had was, uh, I kind of just went for a second opinion. And if I'm being completely honest with you, I went down for a second opinion, went out to dinner, had a, had shared a, bottle of wine with the people that I went to dinner with and uh took a phone call from Drew Brees and Drew Brees was like hey man I just want to you know call you back give you a recommendation I had the same injury you should do the surgery and it's only because Drew Brees after I had had like a <laughs> glass of wine or two sort of talked me into it did I end up having the surgery I was in Alabama on my way to fly home to Seattle the next day and I'm like somehow Drew Brees talked me into it I called the doctor back I'm like sure Let's do surgery tomorrow, and it, that's really the only reason I even had that surgery. So, do you, uh, do you think? Do you think it's because Drew Brees is such an amazing competitor that he was trying to sabotage you? <laughs> <laughs> no, he is the I, most amazing, kind person ever. Comma, also competitor. <laughs> Drew Brees had a really, really nasty, nasty shoulder injury to his throwing shoulder when he was the quarterback of the San Diego Chargers. That's why no one wanted him. The Miami Dolphins didn't want him. I think the yeah. New Orleans Saints were like, you know what? We'll take your damaged goods, your damaged shoulder. We'll do it. <laughs> but he had torn his labrum. Yeah, he had torn his labrum. He had torn his rotator cuff. He had done all this stuff in his throwing shoulder. And Dr. James Andrews did the surgery. This guy, uh, I believe his name's Kevin Wilk, uh, Lenny Macrina. Th those guys did his rehab. And basically, he came back better than he was before he was healthy. It was remarkable. I mean, it was it was really something to admire. And so a year later, I in my left shoulder, my non-throwing shoulder, um, going for a second opinion, and I just have the labrum part. I don't even have the rotator cuff. Uh, they had actually told me that I needed the surgery four years earlier. It was right before sort of a free agent year type thing, and they probably were just trying to make sure I was uh, not going to be a liability you know, injury-wise down the road. And somehow Drew just was like, hey, man, this is so great. I'm going to tell you what. My shoulders never felt so good. I got more pop. My core is stronger. Like everything's better. I'm doing these exercises. I learned new exercises for shoulder stability. My posterior delt is better than, than it ever was. And he just kind of talked me into it. Almost got me excited for surgery. And so I was really <laughs> appreciative. I was really thankful so I do the surgery. I wake up the next morning. I'm in so much pain. I hate Drew Brees. I hate him. I'm like, damn you, Drew Brees. This is a terrible decision. I feel awful. Uh, and then I sort of felt that way for the next few months rehabbing. But once I got through it, I understood what he was saying. And I really was thankful. And I'll always be appreciative to uh, to Drew for uh, for the advice he kind of gave me then. And then, you know, other, other times he's given me advice. But um, – yeah, that was it. So I, I do feel fortunate to obviously have played a long time, but to sort of escaped without uh, the injuries that some guys have had. So luck aside, I mean, I have watched Drew warm up. I have been in the same weight room as Drew. Um, he is kind of meticulous. He knows that you can't skimp on some of the basics. He just has a routine. He knows how he feels. He's, he's tuned in with himself. Who were the... Do you remember who the people were that sort of gave you that glimpse of what it was going to take to become and take care of yourself, those older players? And do you remember sort of some of those behaviors? For sure. And um, 
and you know drew ironically is younger than me and he just was kind of a leader in that space there was a bunch of guys like i would call it the san diego guys and this happened when i was even in college but there was a group of guys in in san diego that were just getting after it in different ways than everybody else in terms of training and Drew was really the first guy, like when all these quarterbacks were doing the workout that the rest of the team was doing, you know, so like pretty much every football team, I shouldn't say every, but a lot of football teams, they do great exercises. You know, it's power cleans, it's squats, it's deadlifts, it's pull-ups, it's incline bench, bench. You know, like they're good exercises. There's nothing at all wrong with the exercises, but they're, they're, they're probably more suited for guys that are possibly like linebackers or you know, people that are tackling or blocking, sometimes with a quarterback, even though that stuff is very important and that needs to be a part of the equation for sure. Some of the stuff that you do as a quarterback, you're you're a side-to-side athlete. You're almost more like a tennis player sometimes than you are like a linebacker. And so Drew was one of the first guys that really was aggressive, that I remember being aggressive with uh, band work, uh, being aggressive with different forms of shoulder stability type stuff. Like, you know, shoulder stability in the weight rooms that I was growing up in were like, hey, we're going to do a snatch. We're going to do snatch. We're going to get good at shoulder stability. And th- that is that is probably true. But like for us as throwers was a little bit different. And so Drew was one of those first guys. But other than that, like the guys ahead of me, guys older than me, it just really wasn't a thing. It was it was really like after practice, you might sit in the cold tub and then then you're going to go have a couple cold beers and you're going to like ice yourself from the inside out. And it's it just like recovery wasn't a part of it. Even like at the beginning of my NFL career, like every pregame, every pregame, uh, there'd be like a pregame meal and the pregame meal would be like spaghetti, hamburgers, maybe lasagna, <laughs> uh, beer, light beer. And then like a, a ice cream Sunday bar, like that's what they were feeding guys the night before the game. And even the day of the game, you eat four hours before the game and then you don't eat again until after the game. And at halftime, there'll be some orange slices, literally orange slices, like you had when you were like in fifth right. grade at soccer practice. Fifth grade soccer. <laughs> and that's it. And, and, and then after a game, like after an away game, no food, none. Like you get on the plane um, like you would get your food when you get on the plane. And, and so you'd be waiting, um, you'd be waiting that whole time to, to get like food back in your body. There was, there's no such thing as like recovery. No one was getting in the ice tub after an away game. Like none of that stuff was happening. And so I think, I think about it, even I'll tell you this, when you got on the plane, you had a burger, that's what you would get. You would get a hamburger or a cheeseburger and you'd have two Miller lights and that was what they gave you on the, on the, and that was it. Now, obviously times have changed. There's no alcohol anymore, pregame or postgame. Uh, teams have gotten a little bit smarter. You still have orange slices in every NFL locker room. I can promise you that. But there's also other things, you know, there's, um, you know, like there might be, there might be like a little protein thing or there might be peanut butter and jelly. But I, I just really think like there's a, we have a long way to go in football in terms of hitting some of the other things, whether it's nutrition, uh, whether it's recovery. And, and I think some teams are way ahead of the curve on it, but not everybody is. We like to say your sort of positional competency, your ability to hit shapes. It's like a credit score. It's a dynamic living document. 
you know, when you got in, started paying attention to some of the things that guys were doing, you, you had that incredible experience with Andrews who is in, in his staff and they're just amazing down there. But do you feel like there was a change in the amount and kinds of preparation things you did? I mean, like you're like, okay, I'm strong enough. And you know, when I started, I was, I did these things. And as I finished my career, I really had to focus on some other things. Yeah. Sleep more important kind of talk about that for a second. Yeah. I, I can remember talking to different guys and when I was younger and immature, like I would ask people for advice. Like I had good strength coaches. It wasn't that I'd ask them for their advice. I'd say, Hey, what supplements should I be on? And they would say, well, before we talk about that, are you getting enough sleep? And I'd be like, all right, forget you, man. I'll go talk to somebody else. <laughs> like that's not the answer I wanted to hear. Uh, but I kept getting that answer over and over again. And I remember I was with this guy, Ken Verstegen, uh, who, um, who, you know, owns and runs Exos. And like he, he, I asked him that question, and he had a way of like sort of like looking right through me, and I was just like. Uh, you know, he asked me the sleep thing and I was like, really? Like, I, or sorry, Mark Verstegen. Oh, I did I say again? I said, Mark Verstegen. I said, Mark, re really? Like sleep? Like seriously? Like that's your one thing? Like, look at you. You're totally <laughs> fit. You're in shape. And he's like, I'm telling you right now, this is the most underappreciated and underrating, underrated thing that NFL football players are doing in terms of recovery. You need to get on board. And so when he said it to me, even though all my strength coaches and my team had said it to me, but when this like, when Mark, this like third party, like wasn't my boss said it to me, I absolutely was in on it. And there's ways that you can kind of learn about better ways to get deep sleep and like for a few off seasons that's what i attacked like i attacked that as a thing and then 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 there needed to be other things but uh that was one that just shocked me like in a day and age when i thought it was all about you know supplements and exercises and all this other stuff there's actually something to recovery like recovery is just as important as how you train and that blew my mind for the first time i realized it can you tell us a little bit more about what actual things you were doing in that like time you were trying to improve your sleep? Well, at the time there was a company and I, and I, I'm going to screw up the name of it, but it was like a Zio or something like that. But you wore this headband. You literally wore this headband with sensors and it would train you and give you a score. Like you'd shoot out on your smartphone or whatever, like how you slept. So I think there's this perception, like at least there was in football that like, oh, the best thing to do before you sleep is like have a couple beers and you'll sleep better. Have a glass of wine and you'll sleep better. Or, you know, some people say, oh, you shouldn't watch TV or be on your screen on your laptop or your phone right before bed because of this and that. And it's kind of like, well, you don't really know. That's just sort of anecdotal. Did you have a good night of sleep or not? So this, 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 I don't know, headband thing, it would give you a score and you would get competitive with the other people that you were training with. Like, what'd you score last night? Well, I scored an 85. What'd you score? Well, I scored a 95. Well, what'd you do? Well, I did this. I did that. And it was like you would train yourself and you would realize that you were not hitting this deep sleep from two Bud Lights before bed. You really weren't. And so – it was it was fascinating. Now that company ended up going under, like for whatever. Sometimes a great idea is not a successful business the first time out, right? And so that went under. But since then, obviously, there's many 
more apps and things and you don't have to wear a headband that can kind of track your sleep. And, uh, and so that, that was, I mean, it's kind of funny cause you go to sleep with the thing on and then you wake up and you know, somewhere around your ankle, you have no idea how, but you know. <laughs> your score is slipping away. Where's my score? Okay. So we're, we're, here we are up, talking. You wake up super disappointed when you didn't get an accurate reading. You're like, dang, I, you know, I'm mad that, you know, mad about this. You, yeah, because you took so much ribbing from the person sharing the bed with you about your dorky <laughs> headband. You know, I will say this. My that would wife, never happen to me. My, one of the reasons that I was successful, though, my wife was all in on it. Like everything that we would do, like everything. I remember, Kelly, we, we I went and saw you and uh, you were talking about Norma Tech boots. And Norma Tech boots were something that I saw in our athletic training rooms all the time. It was what the injured guys had. I never saw healthy guys doing it, though. And you were like, hey, listen, you need to stop getting in the cold tub. You need to hop in these Norma Tech boots. You need to use a Mark Pro. You need to do all this stuff. Well, Norma Tech boots are awesome. But, like, they're not exactly awesome when the person next to you is trying to sleep and you forgot to do it all day and then you do it at night. <laughs> but my wife would be – I'd be getting in bed and be like, oh, I should Norma Tech. And she's like uh, – I'd say, oh, I should Norma Tech. Oh, well, I'll just do it tomorrow. And she'd be like – like to be out. She'd be like, no, get up right now. Get in the Norma Tech. And I'm like – all right, here we go. And, you know, it's like, meh, meh. <laughs> you know, it's just, but she was super supportive. And, and, you know, that makes a huge difference. Like, it's one of those things, it's almost like exercise where you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm up for this right now. I don't know if I have the, the, you know, the energy. And then you do it and you're like, oh man, this is the greatest thing I ever did. Like, I'm so happy I did it. Do you, um, you know, here we are talking to, I love this. We're talking to like, a Hall of Fame quarterback, you are talking about nerding out with your all-American wife uh, about sleep. You know, here you are now, um, sort of a busy guy. I'm going to just put retired in quotation marks. You are, you know, you're on Sunday Night Football, uh, the countdown, you're, you're covering all the, the college stuff. How, are you doing a good job still protecting your sleep now? Because we we believe sort of fundamentally that like sports are important because they tell us how to live when we're not doing sports, right? It's a pressure test. Do you feel like some of these behaviors are sticking around? And I also happen to know you have kids. Yeah. I mean, tell me how that's yeah, that's working on them. And we know you're traveling a ton. So how are you managing your sleep around all this yeah. in your life. Travel is, is uh, brutal. I mean, anybody that travels for a living, they know how brutal that is and the challenges that, that come with that. I don't think sleep. So, you know, the sleep thing for me was probably 10, 15 years ago that that was like the, the mountain that I, that I, you know, that I climbed, so to speak, you know, my eyes were open to that since that time, there've been so many different things. Um, you know, I, I like for me, it turned into like training type stuff, getting out of some of the stuff that I was doing and getting attacking exercises that I didn't love to do. You know, my favorite exercise, my absolute favorite exercise as a 40 year old um, in the weight room in the NFL was a hex bar deadlift. Like I didn't deadlift when I was 25 to 30. Then all of a sudden when I'm 35 to 40, the deadlift is my favorite exercise and the one that I can't live without and the one that I knew that I needed. Um, you know, I think with me right now where I'm at, you know, finding, being intentional about having a plan. Like the, when you're in the NFL, it's actually easier because you just go to bed, you wake up, you show up at work and there's a team of people that tell you exactly what to do. I walk into the weight room 
My last team was the Indianapolis Colts. I walk into the weight room and on the whiteboard is a workout written out for me that two or three professional strength coaches stayed up all night or thought about, you know, or have done this. And like, they wrote my workout out thinking about me. What, what kind of Tuesday do I need to have? What does he need to do Wednesday? They have a plan. Now you're retired from playing in the NFL and now you're talking about football and ESPN. No one cares about that. No one's looking out for you. They don't even, you know, you, you show up, you're in like a hotel, you're in like a double tree um, with like three treadmills and, you know, maybe an elliptical and then a dumbbell rack. Like no one cares. Uh, so you have to be really intentional about what you're, you know, how you're going to get your workouts in, what you're going to do. So for me, when I travel, compression socks are something that I absolutely love. Uh, I, I have found dress sock compression socks, which have changed my life when I travel, flying across country, taking red eyes, all that kind of stuff. I have found that to be an important thing for me. Um, another thing that I do, like if I'm calling, I've called Thursday night college football games this year. A lot of studying goes in, like you memorize two rosters and then you purge it, move on to the next week. You memorize two rosters, you know, an offense, a defense for both schools. Instead of sitting around like studying, I would go on walks in whatever city we're in with my like partner in crime that I'm studying with, um, you know, like my to call it stats guy or whoever it might be. We're instead of having like a 45 minute meeting, we're going to go on a 45 minute walk in Memphis so good. talking about, um, you know, the Houston Cougars versus the Memphis Tigers. And he's quizzing me on the third string running back. And what happens, you know, who's the left-handed wide receiver. We might, might see a double pass from t- tonight and, and just finding ways to not be sitting. Kelly, I think you were the person who told me sitting is the new smoking. And I thought about it and like, man, I'm sitting all the time. So finding ways where I can do something where I'm not just stationary like that has, has definitely been helpful. One of the things that's been helpful. I remember. I imagine you probably do a better job remembering those rosters while you're actually walking as well because your brain is turned on. <laughs> and I remember. I, I hope that's true. I hope that's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is a conversation you and I actually had about. Uh, being woken up for uh, you and Andrew Luck, um, sort of in w- in one of your sort of last seasons where you guys were in the in the playoffs, and you were just saying, "Hey, how, how can we kind of get prepped a little bit better, and just getting your body moving instead of just being in that hotel room, kind of you know, freaking out." Yeah, that was fascinating. You know, some of the stuff that you had told Andrew and myself and some of the other guys, we had come out to see you actually, and we we had said, "All right." here's our schedule. Here's what we do. Where do you see some weaknesses? Like, where do you see some blind spots? And that's one of the hard things, especially when you play a night game is like the, the coaching staff is, you know, they've kind of lock you in the hotel because they don't want you to be distracted or they don't want you to, you know, um, I don't know. I can't tell. Like there's a police distracted. I think that's a nice way of saying that. Well, (laughs) here's the thing. So in the NFL, like when you stay at a hotel, you're all on the same floor and there's police officers on your floor so that no one can come up and bother you. Although like the more I think about it, it might be so that you can't leave. It's like both. It's like a both and, but (laughs) it's important to try to find a way to get, um, to get everything moving in, in, I don't know, like whatever. So you had talked to us and Andrew Luck really adopted that into one of his things. Like he went for a really strenuous walk 
in the mornings of big games that we had that night. And, you know, you know, I think that was something that was important to me. I know, you know, probably it was like when we learned that he was the starting quarterback and I was the backup quarterback. So, you know, it was great for me because I was just going to be standing on the sidelines for those two years, you know, watching him play. But there's stuff like that. I think you taught me too something about a cold shower. What What was that one? I think it's just about, you know, trying to get yourself spun up in the morning. You know, I, I you know, because I, what I appreciate about your experience was that you always felt like, you know, you, you never, ha- you were still a family person. You, you did such a good job, I feel like, of managing work-life balance. And so one of the things that you did a, a, an amazing job, was, especially as you became a, a more uh, elderly athlete, was that you, you, integrate, you integrated a lot of practices. You didn't just add a bunch of more noise to the system. You, you kind of worked these things in and, you know, getting ready – you know, for the, for the day after a long trip or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a big event. I mean, yeah. I think it's a testament sort of one of the, I just saw this quote by Moshi Feldenkrais and he is uh, Feldenkrais is a, is a, a movement restoration program. He kind of came up with Ida Rolf and he was like, the measurement of your health is the ability to take a huge sort of hit to the system and still remain unchanged, right? And that could be sickness, that could be injury. And I really felt like, wow, that's a really nice way of thinking about health. And one of the things that I think you did such a good job of in in that year when you said at age 40 you started hating games is that you were ready to go. And I think sometimes as we're working with corporations and businesses and trying to help people solve is that we're really living on the the margins and the edge of capacity. And you had already sort of had these things just built into your life that really made you resilient, you know, and um, we are not doing a good job in our lives of just having enough slack so that you can sort of turn on ready to go. Yeah, that that's a great point. And, and, you know, there were years where I was able to work incredibly, incredibly hard in the off season. And I felt like I was sort of making deposits in the bank. And as the season went, you were able to like say you break a couple ribs, you have enough like in the bank as one does to like get it get get through it. And there was there were one or two years where just if I'm being really critical of myself, I the plan that I picked for the off season wasn't enough. It wasn't gritty enough. It wasn't hard enough. I didn't put enough investment into my bank account to like pull from once the season came. But one thing that one thing that I you you said something there that. This was something that I did that I am so glad that I did it, and it was fun to do. In our warm-up preparation before every practice, so like say practice starts at 1 o'clock. A lot of players show up at like 12.30, 12.45, you're on the field, and like, you know, you're kind of getting ready for practice, just kind of sort of. And then like practice starts at 1 o'clock, and you're, you know, you're still kind of just feeling your way into it. You're getting loose or whatever. I was encouraged by this guy in um, in Canada that I worked with that I absolutely loved. He, he like looked me dead in the eyes and he was like, what time does practice start? I'm like, one o'clock. He goes, no, not for you. I'm like, what do you mean? And so he just flipped my mind. And he was like, I want you to basically do everything you need to do and be done with it before that one o'clock practice starts. And it just flipped my mind. So I was looking for all these exercises. You see all these quarterbacks pregame doing all their exercises. 
We have all those exercises. But what I did, I tried to pull exercises from other sports. I would work out and talk to hockey players and be like, all right, what are your three favorite warm-up exercises? What are your best exercises? Talk to baseball players. What are your favorite exercises? What do you do? I, I got we Andrew Luck and I were doing Alex Morgan soccer, women's soccer exercises to get us going. We, I saw it on like Instagram. I saw like a left foot, like skip, 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 sprint, skip, 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 sprint, like single leg. And I'm like, <laughs> ran into Alex Morgan one time and I'm like, hey, can you tell me about this exercise? What else do you guys like to do? And like every year, anytime I would see any world-class athlete i would ask them a question like that usually they all had something that was like uh i don't know this is one i love and i just made it like part of our deal and we would spend 30 minutes 40 minutes whatever it was doing those exercises not only was it fun but it was so so helpful so you mentioned a little while back in the podcast that when you were 40 your favorite exercise was the hex bar deadlift and I'm wondering, what are you into now? And, and sort of what are you thinking that you need to be focused on as you get older? So <laughs> this is funny. So right now, because of timing and because of where I am, I am sort of living on the Peloton. I'm Peloton bike, I'm Peloton tread. And I was really feeling like, oh, this is good. This is all I need. I'm good to go, blah, blah, blah. Well, I was outside, I live in Boston now, so I was outside shoveling my driveway for way too long today. And then (laughs) after that, I decided to shoot some hoops. And what I found was, oh my gosh, I need more cross training in my life. Like it's like a lose it or uh, use it or lose it. That's how I felt when I was out there uh, shooting hoops. And I can guarantee you, I'm going to be way too sore, way more sore than I should be from shoveling, uh, tomorrow. So, um, that's kind of what I've been doing during the football season, but I need to get back on, uh, on something that's probably a little more, makes me a little more well-rounded, I would say. It's very reasonable that during, you know, you can, Sometimes, you know, we try to help remind people, like, let's control what you can control. Like, you're in a very hard work time now, sort of wrapping up a little bit here soon. But, and then you're just like, you manage what you can. So you're like, well, hey, I'm going to stay cardiovascular fit. You got, you can't look too fat on TV. It's kind of a problem. <laughs> Trust me, I know. You know, it's because the wardrobe, man, the wardrobe, you know, you got you to get the buttons to fit. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, and then I think what's really interesting, as you said there, is I think a lot of people think that if I run or I bike, I'm going to be fit. And that is not the same thing that you just described, that the 20 to 30 minutes of play, of movement exploration, of moving, of skipping, those are the things I think just get sucked out of our lives. And, you know, we, we think is, oh, this this biking is the thing, right? I mean, it's it's so easy to get caught up in the metrics of of Peloton because it's so fun and you're there and you just sweat and it felt like you're an athlete and then you stand up and you realize you're stiff and your ankles don't work and you've and your not butt is and, flat. You, and you're not springy and you've lost your glutes. It's true. Yeah, and well, the hard the hard thing for me, like just you know, just the nature of my schedule, what I was doing is calling Thursday night football on the road, going to ESPN for Sunday NFL pregame shows, and being there Sunday, and then sometimes doing Monday night football. Just and I was teaching a class at Boston College, and the class was just Tuesday nights, and it's two and a half hours. Like, there's just not time in the day to always get outside, and that's probably one of the biggest challenges that I have had 
you know, that's why I was saying you just really have to be intentional. But, um, but, but the one, the one thing that I've learned sort of like this, like lately, this is something important for me, you know, either with football players, there's a lot of attention brought to, you know, CTE and brain injury and all that kind of stuff. And that's a concern for a lot of guys. Fortunately for me, that wasn't something that I dealt with in my career, but you just never know. And it's something you think about. So I have done research and I've listened to and heard from people who are into brain health, not, not nothing to do with concussions, just brain health. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned is it is so, so important to just, for me, to just break a sweat every day. Like you just got to break, it doesn't have to be incredibly strenuous. It doesn't have to be um, the, you know, where you're like in football, like where you're working out until you throw up, but breaking a sweat every day is just so good for the brain. And, uh, and that's something that I struggled with, with my schedule being on, you know, Delta airlines, uh, you know, four times a week, you know, trying to hit my diamond status. Like there's something's got to <laughs> give, but, but you know, making sure that I'm trying to break a sweat every, every day is, has, you know, is really important in my mind. I can really, I, f- I feel that. I feel like, you know, you start to get into your forties and fifties and you're really, I mean, you have uh, you know, a pretty good first career. We'll put it that way. We'll just put it in quotation marks, but you're really, I mean, you're good at your job and really at the peak of your powers and you have kids now and I know that you're all American and we're just not throwing that around lightly. Like your wife is actually the real athlete in the family. You know, it is, it's difficult to keep this, all this together, especially when you know what you can do and to try to sort of manage that expectation of what you can do with what you are able to do. I think that, that idea of one is I, I, I hear you say I have to memorize a ton of, rosters every week. I mean, there's some real brain power going on there. And two, I think break a sweat is really a big deal. Well, and also I just would add that um, one of Kelly's sayings all the time is be consistent before you're heroic. And I think, Mm. you know, you're obviously doing right. If you're just making an effort to break a sweat every day, you know, you're maybe not heroic every day, but you're doing something. Yeah. Well, the, the Super Bowl is coming and I, and once that comes, I get my life back for a little bit. And, and what happens is like, I'm in an athletic family. I'm the least athletic person in my family right now. So I'm married. I have three kids. Uh, my wife, her birthday's coming up. I said, Hey, what do you want for your birthday? She said, I want a Versa climber. I'm like, you want a Versa climber? I don't know if I could do that, but like that, that's the family that I live in. I've got two daughters who are committed to play their sport in college. And like in the summers, I run with them. I do their conditioning tests with them. Uh, they both are playing lacrosse in college. So I'm, I used to like, you know, it was never even a competition. Now I can't even like, I'm struggling to beat them and I don't beat them in their, you know, sort of speed work, agility work, conditioning work. Um, I've got a son who's in eighth grade, who's playing football and hockey and lacrosse and like just doing the stuff for him. He's a quarterback. So like running routes for him uh, this fall, like he'd say, all right, let's go. Can I throw? Can we throw? Sure. I'm route running slant routes. I'm running slant and goes. I'm running posts. Like the whole time I'm just saying to myself, do not uh, tear your Achilles right now. Do not tear your Achilles right now. <laughs> so if you want to ask like the real motivation for me as a, you know, 44 year old guy who's out there working out, 
uh, in terms of like pliability and flexibility and recovery and being a supple leopard, I'm out there trying to be a supple leopard so that I don't pull anything when I'm running routes for my, for my 14 year old son. Um, and we, that, that's really what, that's really like, you want to say, why do you train? That's why I train. I don't want to lose to my kids. That's anymore, pretty, I'm not gonna lie. That's elite fitness right now. <laughs> I just, I just want to say how much I relate to your wife because I'm obsessed with this exercise machine called the gauntlet. Um, okay. And I told Kelly, I wanted one. And the problem is you need like 14 feet of clearance to have one in your garage. It's the it's escalator. Like a, of it's like an escalator of stairmasters where you can put on your weight vest and just walk upstairs endlessly. They're like rotating stairs. Anyway, you guys should check it out. Very interesting. Well, um, I'm always I'm always open to new exercise equipment. Um, there's certain things that I've been on, like a Jacob's ladder that I it was so you know I had the workout of of uh, of a lifetime that I'll never get back on them again. There's a couple of those, but I'm usually very very agreeable <laughs> to uh, to new things like that. Very very much so. I love that you're uh, you're running routes and worried about your Achilles. One of the things that uh, as I've done a lot more biking, I'm like, wow, my, my feet and calves are so tight. I have to stay on this. Mm -hmm. So I started, I really started jump. Uh, we've been, I'm a huge fan of jump roping, but I actually jump rope every day these days. I'm going to send you my favorite jump rope and you're going to wow. have your mind blown because I can do it anywhere. I can do it in the crappy gym hotel with the, you know, with the Stairmaster and the, you know, the ex sit down exercise bikes. Like it's definitely changed my life because the Russians say, when you stop jumping, you start dying. That's really, that's really, that's really fascinating. Um, one of my hardest off seasons that I ever had, I was with uh, this guy in Vancouver named Rick Celebrini. And one of the things like, just as a little warm up thing was the jump rope. And I, I'm like, I, I, this is, this is not a warm up. This is the workout. Like what, <laughs> dude, I don't, I, I can't, I'm not good at this. I can't do this for this long. Like, I'm going to pop a calf right here in the warm up. So, uh, but, but Kelly, you really are one of the guys, like if you say to do something, I do it. Like you're one of the people that I trust. You're one of the people that, um, you know, anything in recovery, anything at all. Like, it's like, I know it's worthwhile and I give it a shot and I kind of make it my own. And, uh, I can promise you, you just said that to me about jump rope. This whole household, all five of us, we're going to be jumping more rope than we've ever jumped before just because you said that. So uh, <laughs> count me in. Love it. I just got to tell you one quick story, though, if it makes you feel better. Our kids both play water polo, and mm. Kelly and I have this discussion about how we can't even do the base skill of water polo, which is egg beater in the water. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, soccer, we're, we may not play soccer, but we could at least run. Um, but yeah, yeah, so, you know, we, we obviously have, we can't even play. Which is actually, I think <laughs> really protective because the, here's the issue. Um, you know, uh, this is a story. I don't know if people know, but president Obama played a lot of basketball when he first got in the white house and he played a lot of basketball and a lot of people came and played basketball with him. And there were more torn ACLs and ruptured quad ligaments mm -hmm. and torn Achilles in like, the upper ex, uh, executive branch. And one of our friends became the permanent physical therapist to the White House because there were so many middle-aged guys trying to hoop it up. And wow. I feel really grateful that I don't have to run routes for my 14-year-old son right now. <laughs> and because I can't even play water polo, I'm automatically protected. I'm like, oh, I can't even do it, so I'm safe. So I really, I mean, we've uh, now I'm going to have to really write you a program so we can keep you running those, uh, you know, 
those those slants. Pop pass. You reminded me of something. So I went to Boston College. That's where I played. We have 31 varsity sports at BC. And we, we're in the city kind of of Boston. So there's not a lot of facilities. And you would share weight room. You would share stuff with people. I remember one time I was trying to do extra stuff, you know, swimming for football, just training, unloading or whatever. And we had a water polo team. And one of the kids on the water polo team was like their goalie. And I'm swimming in there just treading water. It was like a treading water recovery day. And he's like, hey, um, will you shoot on me? Like you're a quarterback. You probably have a good arm. Well, one thing in quarterbacking, <laughs> one thing in quarterbacking, you want to get your elbow up by your ear when you release the ball. A lot of people have a low release and they're not using the full torque of what their throwing mechanics could be. And and so I'm in the water, treading water, and I'm shooting on this uh, goalie, this like kid that just I'm going to school with. And it's good for him. It's great for me because naturally I had a tendency to kind of dip my elbow. So one of the best quarterback drills I know of is to be in water and have to throw a ball because you can't dip that ball down low. You can't dip that elbow down low. That arm's got to come up and come up over the top. And that's the best torque and like, um, you know, whip. You talk about like a, a whip when you're throwing the ball. Uh, and it was like, you know, and that actually helped me. And then in the NFL, I would swim a lot. I actually built a pool just for swimming and recovery. During the NFL lockout, I did uh, a form of CrossFit that was like seal fit. There was a lot of swimming in that. It was like, thank God I had done so much swimming. I probably would have drowned in that experience. But um, yeah, water polo was awesome. That, that was a very helpful thing for me in college. I cannot wait to tell the two little starrets that story. Especially since Georgia probably has the best arm on the team. She just like has a frozen rope from the water and it yeah. kind of shocks me sometimes. So, um, Matt, I can't, we can't end this podcast. I have to ask that, um, I've read that you've been struck by lightning. And so I wanted to hear if that was true. And then if you attribute that to your long career in the NFL and general good health. Yeah. So if you look online, it says I've been struck by lightning two times. Not true. I've only been struck by lightning one time. Uh, my wife <laughs> Internet and is I, full of lies. <laughs> my wife and I, we were dating. We were in college and we were at a wedding. Uh, this girl that I grew up with, she was marrying a guy. He was a hockey player for the U.S. Olympic team back when amateurs were playing. And um, anyway, we're at their wedding. We get struck by lightning. And it was craziness. It hurts, by the way, if you didn't know. It's like getting electrocuted like in the socket, but times like a billion. It, it, it hurts so bad. It goes so quick. And my wife had just run the Boston Marathon. So her resting heart rate was so, so low. So we all go to the hospital. 16 of us got zapped. Uh, we shared the brunt of it, thank goodness. And my wife's resting heart rate is so low that the doctors were nervous. They were like, mm, we're going to keep you overnight. So she was the only person that stayed overnight out of 16 of us. So I have to call her dad. First time I ever call her dad. And I, that's my first conversation with him. And, uh, and he's not happy that she's staying overnight. He's like, I don't like this. I'm going to come get her. Um, 
And, and so I say to the doctor, I'm like, I'm like, Hey, you know, her dad's a doctor and he, he doesn't like this at all. And the guy's like, well, okay. Well, what kind of doctor is he? I'm like, well, he's a dentist, but, but he's still, he's very unhappy. about this. <laughs> <laughs> But listen to this, the craziest story. So that guy, the wedding that I was at, his name is Peter LaViolette. He is now the head coach of the Nashville Predators. So like talk about just small world. And we were playing for the Tennessee Titans there right before they got there. Well, I mentioned my, my oldest daughter, she's going to go play lacrosse at Boston College. They've got a great lacrosse program there. So she's going to be a freshman next year. Well, the LaViolettes, their daughter, they live in Nashville. Their daughter's a really great softball player. She's committed to play uh, softball at Boston College. And as fate would have it, next year as freshmen, those two, they don't know each other. They've met each other once this year. Those two are going to be freshman year roommates in college. So, I mean, no it's way. craziness. No so way. That's maybe that's so the crazy. lightning. Maybe that's the lightning. Uh, uh, I don't know. Wild. That is crazy. Uh, yeah. That is crazy. Just glad I survived. By lightning. Amen. Well, uh, hey, we know you're on the socials. I follow you on the socials. Where are you? I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. It's my last name, Hasselbeck, H-A-S-S-E-L-B-E-C-K. And that's, uh, that's primarily where I'm at. Georgia loves to Hasselbeck her sausages. <laughs> People don't know Hasselbecking is actually a thing where you, you dice. And so, so your yeah. name comes up all yeah. the time. Yeah, Hasselbeck potatoes is the big one. That's the big one. Ugh. Hey, it is such a pleasure, man. Please, thank best you. to your whole family. We love them all. And uh, thank you so much thank for chatting so us much, up. Thank you so much, Matt, for being on. Hey, you guys are the absolute best. I'm going to go jump some rope right now. <laughs> Stand by. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. The Ready State is the new home of MobilityWad, where we've assembled the most comprehensive database of guided movement, mechanics, and mobility videos, all with the goal to help improve performance and eliminate pain. At its core, our message has always focused on helping you be more ready. Ready for your next race? Ready for your next workout? Ready to keep up with your kids? Pretty much ready for anything life throws your way. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it. You stop it. You got it. You got it. Kelly Starrett is the New York Times bestselling author of Becoming a Supple Leopard and Ready to Run. He's a coach, a physical therapist, an athlete, and an innovator who works with elite athletes as well as everyday people who just want to be happier and healthier in their lives. Juliette Starrett is the co-founder and CEO of both San Francisco CrossFit and The Ready State, co-founder of StandUpKids.org, a writer, an entrepreneur, and a world champion athlete. Our theme music was provided by Rogue Wave. You got it! You better stop it!